Please turn with me in your Bibles to 1st John, 1st epistle of John and the second chapter. First John, chapter 2, and in a moment we're going to be reading from verses 3 down to verse 11. First John, chapter 2, verses 3 down to verse 11. Now, if I could speak to the boys and girls, but not just to the boys and girls, to everyone that is here. Imagine you're going by your favorite sweet shop. Now, is there anyone here that doesn't like sweets? Oh, very good. There's some people who don't like sweets. But imagine you're going by your favorite sweet shop. This is the best place ever. And not only that, you see your favorite sweet. What happens with your eyes? They're drawn, aren't they? You start looking to your favorite sweet. You see it. Your eyes are focused on it. Actually, you're so distracted, you don't even hear your parents maybe talking to you or somebody else talking to you. Your attention is fixed on that thing which is sweet to your taste. You remember the last time you tasted it, and you want to taste it again, don't you? You're thinking, oh, that's lovely. Oh, I'd love that. But... Something else happens. It's the last packet in the shop. (gasps) What will we do? I hope nobody else buys it. Um, What happens with your eyes? Your eyes are glued on that last packet. You don't want anybody else to get that, do you? You're saying, I really hope that nobody else buys that. You're jealous over that last packet of sweets, aren't you? You know how good it is. And you know how sweet it is. Now why am I talking about sweets right before reading God's holy word? Why? Is the word of God, are the commandments of God sweet to you? Are they something that draws your attention draws your eyes and your focus because you see them as important. His law, is it sweet to you? So sweet, you want to come back for more. You've tasted and seen that God is good, who trusts in him, is blessed. That he is wonderful. And if you say here, both young and old, rich or poor, and you say, yes, that describes me. I have a, I love God's word. It draws me to it. I love to read it. You're a Christian. You know Christ. You have a desire for more holy food. Praise God for that. God has done a work in you. That you love his commandments. And you, your, your eyes, you're, you're carefully fixed upon it. But dear friends, as we read this passage we're going to read. What if you have no love for the commandments of God? 
It's not sweet to your taste. Actually, in fact, it's quite bitter. And it's not enjoyable at all. Dear friends, you are lost. You can come to church as much as you like. But God must do a work in your heart for you to love him and to love his commandments. To find them sweet. To find them an object of desire. To find them something that you love and cherish and see as the most important thing. So let us read now from God's holy and infallible word. 1 John chapter 2 verses 3 to 11. Let us hear God's word. Now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away. And the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause of stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy and infallible word. Our title for this morning's message is this. Do you know that you know Christ? Do you know that you know Christ? Now, if you've been a Christian or professing Christian for many, many years, this may seem like a really strange and unusual question to ask. You might be thinking... Well, of course. Of course I'm a Christian. But this is an important question to ask each and every one of us, whether we're seven, whether we're 27, or whether we're 77. It's a vital that we all come to terms with this question. Because if you come across the island of Ireland, Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, and you ask church-going people, Are you a believer? Are you a Christian? What will they say? What might they say? What might you say? Of course, I'm a Christian. I went to Sabbath school. I feel like I'm a Christian. Or somebody might say, well, I never miss a service. I know what that feeling is like when I grew grew up as a Roman Catholic. I thought, I'm okay before God as long as I do not miss a service. If I miss a service, then I'm in trouble. It's easy to think that your performance can earn you a way into heaven. Some people may get warm religious feelings at church. 
But this alone does not mean you're a Christian. Not a bad thing, of course. You may work very hard in church-related activities, but this alone does not mean you are a Christian. There's a warning in Scripture that Jesus himself gives to a very religious generation. He says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you practice lawlessness. That's Matthew 7, 21 to 23. These are the words of Jesus to a religious generation. Not everyone who claims to be a Christian is a Christian. How, how then do we know? Well, here are some tests that John the Apostle gives us under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. That we may know that we may know him. And by know, I don't mean intellectual facts that you may do well at a church quiz. I mean this, that you know him in a deep and intimate way, in a saving way. You have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. The first point we're going to look at here this morning is our attention. Our attention. Boys and girls who are here, do you remember the sweet shop? Do you remember what your favorite sweet did to your eyes? Do you remember what it did? It drew your eyes away. Your focus, your attention was focused upon that sweet, wasn't it? As soon as you see it. Why? Because you see that sweet, that packet is as important. I want that. And you're all focused upon that. If there are boys here, maybe you see your favorite football team playing on television. And you know how hard it is to get people's attention when something's on television and you see in the background. Why? Their eyes are drifting over there because it's the most important thing in the room is that football match. They're focused on it. Whatever we see as valuable and as important, we will focus our attention on that, won't we? We will. Whatever's important to us, whatever's vital to us. Verse 3 says this. Now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now what does the word keep mean? Keep his commandments. It has the idea of guarding something. Having custody over something. Uh, jealously guarding something. Keeping a watchful eye over something. What do you do with the family jewels? You protect them. Because they're important. They're valuable. They're important. And the question here this morning, dear friends, is do the commandments of Almighty God matter to you? Are they important? Are they valuable? Are they wonderful truth and light? Uh, And do you almost guard it in your heart that you follow it? You know, today, the question in many churches across this island, what commandments? What, What commandments are you talking about exactly? 
Now this is where teaching comes in. And very, very important that we know what the commandments of God are. It's very, much of the church today is very confused of what the commandments of God even are. So how can we even focus upon them? How can we keep them if we don't know what they are? Well, one way the commandments of God are summarized is in the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. These commandments are eternal laws. They are different to the laws, many of the laws given in the Old Testament. They were written with the finger of Almighty God. They were written on the heart of Adam in the Garden of Eden. And these are laws that never change. That's one way it's summarized in the Ten Commandments. But are there other ways that same law, those same commandments are summarized? Notice how I say summarized. Have you ever seen a summary of a book? It's a lot shorter, isn't it, than the actual book itself. And the Ten Commandments are like that. But there's another way that the Bible summarizes the exact same law. Well, the first great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first four commandments summarized even down even further. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. On which hang all the law and the prophets. I'll put it another way. Hang the Old Testament. All the scriptures hang on these two. Because this is the commandments of God. It's the same law. And allow me to summarize it even further. Love. Love God, love your neighbor. God is love. The commandments of God are really the moral character of God. And in the commandments of God, he's really showing you who he is. Another way of asking the same question is, do you have your eyes Fixed upon God. And if you do. You will learn from him. You will sit at the feet of Jesus. And you will seek to learn from him. This morning I was speaking with the Sabbath school children. And we were talking about blessed are the meek. And that beatitude in Matthew's gospel always reminds me of my collie dog she's very meek she's very submissive she's always willing to learn and always wants to please her master blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth we wish to learn from God not fight against God but we wish to learn from God And when we want to learn from God, we've got that natural hunger. A baby who does not get food. What does a baby do? He starts crying. He's unhappy. He wants food. He cries. He hungers for food. And if someone does not have an appetite for food, something's seriously wrong, isn't it? Physically, if somebody says, oh, my appetite's gone. Well, you probably should see a doctor. But spiritually, today we think it's okay to have no appetite for the things of God. But we will have a natural hunger if we belong to him. It says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3. to Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes... 
Desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If you've seen, if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you will have this natural hunger for the pure milk of the word, to fix your eyes upon the commandments. And when you fix your eyes upon the commandments, guarding them, you will keep them. You will continue in them. You will obey them. You will obey them. Verse 5 says this. Verse 4 and 5. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. But by this we know that we are in him. The person who says, I love God, but has a complete disregard for the commandments of God, is a liar. None of us are perfect. None of us. But at the same time, when we do break the law of God, it breaks our hearts. The Lord chastens us and brings us back Onto that narrow way that leadeth unto life, but few there be that find it. But you will only see the commandments. We've talked about the commandments being important. You will only see them as worthy of your time if you love them. If you love them. This brings us on to our second point, which is our affection. Our affection. So we've looked at our attention, but we'll only have our attention on the commandments if our affection is toward the commandments and toward God. You look at those sweets in the sweet shop because you love them. You have a taste for them. You desire more of them. Don't you, boys and girls? You love them probably more than other food. Would you rather have your dinner or just dessert? Do you want ice cream for breakfast? Be like, yeah, that'd be great. Because it's sweeter. It's more satisfying. It's more enjoyable. Verse 5, once again. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. That we are in him. Our affections will show if we are in him. Now you might be saying, well, but we cannot keep his law. And you're right if you're saying that to yourself. You can't keep his law perfectly. We are sinners. But if God has done a work in your heart, if you are born again of the Spirit of God, if you have a heart of flesh today, no longer a heart of stone, that may have happened in your mother's womb, That may have happened when you were one, two years old. You may be too young to remember when the Lord changed you. But the question is not when did it happen. The question is do you love his word today? Do you love his commandments today? Do you rejoice at the voice of the shepherd? And when the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd, they go toward him. They recognize his voice. They are filled with joy. If you ever see sheep with a shepherd, 
and the, and, the, and the shepherd calls out the specific voice, the names for each and every one of his sheep. The sheep know the shepherd. And it's important that the shepherd also knows his sheep and our good shepherd knows his sheep. But if God has done a work in you, we will have, and I say an imperfect love, but we will have a love for the commandments of God. And if we have a love for them, we will keep it, won't we? It's not just out of some external conformity to the law of God. That's not keeping the law of God. It's from the heart. Actually, the 10th commandment about not coveting is all about the heart, isn't it? Thou shalt not covet. There will be a difference. Another way of saying this is there will be a difference between you and the world. There will be a difference. You will maybe even stand out like a sore thumb at times. It's not that we try to, but we will. Now, I know we don't want to think for any moment we're better than anyone. We're not. In our own selves, we are all sinners and we all deserve the same fate. That is hell for all eternity. That's what we all deserve. But our behavior must be different. Let's think about this for a moment. If we say we're Christians and we act like the world, think like the world, do what the world does, love what the world does, how are we any different? And the world will actually ask that question. How are we any different? It says in verses 5 and 6, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Verse 6, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Just as he walked. Now, it talks about the love of God being perfected in him. Now, we all want to think we're loving, don't we? And we have to ask ourselves, by what standard is love? We, we heard a lot over the last couple of years during the pandemic. Love your neighbor. But by what definition do we define what it means to love our neighbor? There were a lot of strange definitions given of loving people. People who are left alone for years at times. It's horrible. And there's lots of strange ideas of love developed in recent years. Um, to, in recent years now, there's LGBT relationships. Oh, that's loving to approve of that, isn't it? That's what the media will tell us. God is love, so the thinking goes. He will approve of anything we call love. And Friends, we are in danger of doing the same thing. We may think, oh, that's, I can't believe they would do that. But we can do the same thing. We can just say, well, I love this, therefore God loves this. No, we need to go to the commandments of God. And what those commandments are is love. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, let's think about it. Is, is it true? What could be horribly gone wrong? There's even... And I don't keep up with the news much, but there's all these stories about these girls confused that they think they're turning to boys, and boys confused and think they're turning to girls. And the loving thing, according to doctors today, is to give them medicine that will alter their bodies for the rest of their lives. Is that loving? Now that's what the world says is loving today. These horrors that are coming 
rapidly all around us. Now that's outside of the church, and I've even seen some cases even within the church of cases like this. But what of church culture today? What do we think of as loving? We've always got to, what I'm saying is this, to see what is loving, we've always got to come back to the word. Challenge all our preconceived notions of what is loving and challenge ourselves. And when we are wrong, just, okay, we got that wrong. And we change, we repent, we ask the Lord for forgiveness where we have fallen short. And the Lord is gracious and loving and he'll support us. God's law, which shows us that God's character, that's what it means to be loving. That's where our affection, our affection needs to be toward that which is loving. We are to love what is love. And what is love? The commandments of Almighty God. If we don't love the commandments of Almighty God, if we have no love for the commandments of God, that is the definition of what it means to be hateful. By this love, a love for what is love, we know him. If you love his commandments, it is because God has done a work in you. Our attention, our affection are not on God's law to be perfect. We cannot be perfect. But because we love God, we wish to be like him. A third point this morning is our imitation our imitation. So we've looked at our attention, our affection. Now we're looking at number three, our imitation. Who do you want to be like? Who do you wish to imitate and follow? Who is that role model that you wish to follow after? When we're younger, we often want to be like our older brothers, our older sisters. Or maybe somebody famous, famous football player, an actor, a musician. But in, we all, maybe we imitate lots of people. But there is one person we should imitate and follow and seek to be like. One we should all seek to act like. Verse 6 down to verse 8 and says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Verse 6 once again. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. To walk as Jesus walked. Let's think about this picture for a second. Just as he walked. How can we walk as Jesus walked? Now what's one of the most natural movements for all of us? The most natural thing for us, probably outside of breathing itself, is we walk everywhere. Even if it's not very far, we walk to and from our cars, don't we? We walk many places. Those who cannot physically walk are limited 
in what they can do. But for most people, what can you do? You're alive, you're healthy. You may not be able to run a marathon. You know, I was, I was watching a video a few days ago. It was talking about getting into running. And running, it takes, it takes time. First few times you run, you're, you're in a lot of pain. Your legs can't really deal with it. You're told not to go too fast because you're probably going to be in so much pain for a couple of days afterwards. But walking comes so naturally to us, doesn't it? It's just so natural to us. I say this, talk about our natural movements of our lives. As in it's not just one day of the week. It's not just, well, Sunday I'm going to go to church and that's me ticking my religious box for the week. But if you live like the rest of the world for the rest of the week... How are you any different to your lost friends and neighbors? Perhaps even to go further, you might imitate your lost friends and your lost neighbors. Dear friends, who you imitate is who you really are seeking to be like and follow. Are you seeking to be like and follow after lost people? And if you are, what does it say about you? When a believer is with an unbeliever, there's always a degree of conflict. We're not seeking for the conflict. But it just exists, and it's existed from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Actually, we'll be looking at this this evening, and so I encourage you to be there at the evening service as well. Genesis 3, verse 15. But there's a conflict between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. There's enmity between one seed and the other seed. We're part of the seed of the woman which will crush the head of the serpent. But there's that enmity placed ever since the fall of man between believers and unbelievers. Those in Christ and those outside of Christ. We want peace through the gospel. It's the only way true and lasting peace comes. One of the Beatitudes is blessed are the peacemakers. We want to be on the same side, but unless we're both believers, we're not on the same side. The unbeliever mocks Christ. They may not mock Christ openly, but in rejecting of the gospel, they do mock Christ. There's no neutrality in this war. And and I say the word war. There's been a war for 6,000 years, ever since the fall of Adam. There is one seed that resists Christ. And so there's going to be difficulties in that relationship. I'm not saying that you don't have any contact with people who are not believers or anything like that. But use wisdom. Are you imitating them? Or are you being a good influence on them, bringing them toward Christ, perhaps? Does your lives, your your conduct, bring conviction that they don't... They feel uncomfortable doing certain sins around you that they would feel comfortable doing in other places. Does your love for Christ, in a sense, and it's hard to pick a right term here, but uncomfortable? The unbeliever is completely comfortable around you. Would that make a lot of sense? And this, this, what we're saying to walk like Christ, 
It describes it here in verses 7 and 8. And these verses may seem strange to one another, one after another. It says, brethren, I write no new commandment to you. And then in the next verse, John says this. Again, a new commandment I write to you. I was like, well, which is it? Is he writing a new commandment or is he not? Well, in one sense, it's new. And in another sense, it's not. How is it not new? It's an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. This is an eternal standard of love. An unchanging standard that has never changed because God never ever changes and it's always as it ever has been. That does not change. That's verse 7. I write no new commandment to you but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. But what about verse 8? A new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. What is new? Jesus came and fulfilled the law perfectly. That's what's new. We have a a perfect example to imitate and follow and see the life of him told in the four gospel accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the newness of this commandment I write to you. The darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining because that true light has come into the world. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's an example to study. He's an example to suffer for. And he's an example to show us What we are to be like. Truly he is wonderful. And our last point number four. This morning is our confirmation. Our confirmation. So we've looked at our attention. Our affection. Our imitation. Or how we walk. And now number four is our confirmation. There are great tests being talked about here. In this text of scripture but there is the greatest test or shall we say the most revealing test of all in verses 9 to 11 says this he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now and he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause of for stumbling in him but he who hates his brother is in darkness And walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Boys and girls who are here, what if I said to you, do you love mommy or daddy more than chocolate? What would you say? I hope you would say, yes, of course I love mommy and daddy more than chocolate. But just imagine somebody set up a test. We're going to put you in a room by yourself with a bar of chocolate in front of you. And you can't eat that bar. It's going to prove to me if you love me more than this bar of chocolate. The bar of chocolate's open in front of you. The wrapper's off. You can smell the chocolate. Oh, that's a difficult test, isn't it? Uh, I think probably some of you are thinking that's impossible. That's a test. That would be hard. I don't know if I'd be able to do it. That when they come back after that hour, they'd see, is the chocolate bar still there? 
or is not. There is a very hard test here in verses 9 to 11 of whether we are in light or in darkness. And why do I say that? It's very revealing and there's nowhere to hide almost with this test. It's very easy to say with theory in our minds, oh yes, I love Christ. Oh yes, I love his commandments. Oh yes, I want to be like him. But I have no love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's a dangerous place to be. And I pray and I hope that none are in that position here. It's very easy to think with our theoretical mind, oh yes, I love these things. But do you love your brother or sister in Christ? This is real life. Because if you do not love your brother whom you do see with your eyes, who is in front of you, you do not have any love for Christ. And if we are to show love for our brothers, it is out of a love for Christ. It starts with a love for Christ. And out of that love for Christ, if it is genuine, if it is real, if it is to to show, whoa, this is real, it will show itself in the life of the church. It has to. It will. It is a confirmation. It is proof that this love for God is not false. You see, it's very easy to have an idea of Christ who we cannot see. We can't see Christ in front of us, can we? Physically. But we can see our brothers and sisters in Christ all around us here in this very building. Do we pray for them? Do you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you seek to encourage them? Do you enjoy and rejoice in their successes? Or have you a jealousy in your heart? Perhaps it only comes out at times. Who do you spend time with? Again, I'm not saying you only can spend time with Christians. But who do you enjoy spending time with the most? Who is that close bond with the most? Lost people? Do you feel more comfortable with lost people? Or do you feel more comfortable with brothers and sisters in Christ? And here's, here's the great test. Here's why this is such a great and difficult test. We're all annoying at times. We're all difficult. All of us. Every single last one of us. Myself included. We all offend each other. We will all offend each other. Perhaps there's even something I've done to offend you today. I am not the easiest person to love. But do you love me as a brother in Christ? With all my faults. And with all my failings. Do you love others here? Around you? Who also have faults and failings? Thinking the best of them. Rejoicing in their growth in Christ. Rejoicing in their joy. Weeping with their weeping. Then you know the greatest test of confirmation is if you love, if you know that you know him, 
You have a love for your brother or sister in Christ. What about you here this evening? Very, very simple question to finish off. Yes or no? Do you know that you know him? A genuine believer in Jesus Christ may struggle with this. You may be here and you may be going through difficulty. It does not mean because you're struggling with this that you're not a believer. But I would urge you, don't run away from this issue. Seek that joy that passes all understanding, not just thinking, well, I can't know this, this side of eternity. You can. And John wrote this letter that these things we write to you that your joy may be full. And when your joy is more full and flowing out into the world, it will change those around you. The gospel will not just change you. It will change those around you. Do we wish to reach those other people for Christ? There are lost people in this town. There are lost people passing by us every single day. God alone can save them. We need to know that we know him. Is there anything more important in this world? Nothing. This is where our eyes need to be fixed. This is the sweetest truth. It is Jesus Christ. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Amen.